Welcome to the NBA Deep Dives podcast. My name is Nick Agar-Johnson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast for the Hashtag Basketball Podcast Network. This is our first full season covering not just fantasy basketball, but also the NBA. So we're excited to get started. I'm here with Jordan Christmas. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Ready for the season to start. Season opens on my birthday, which is kind of a strange coincidence, but uh, it's, uh, I guess, happy b- early birthday to me. Happy early birthday to you. Um, so the <laughs> team you. we're covering today uh, is the team that Jordan writes for. Fortunately, maybe not the best uh, team to get a birthday present with. The Philadelphia 76ers, they're coming off a 10-win season, but they're bringing Joel Embiid back into the fold. They've brought Dario Saric over from the Spanish leagues. So, Jordan, what do you think are the key acquisitions for the Sixers this year? Well, I mean, you mentioned it right off the top, having the two of your first round picks from the 2014 draft in Joel Embiid and Dario Saric is big for us. And it obviously adds a lot to our front court, although the log jam, a lot of people talked about the front court log jam over the summer, but I think that's kind of been alleviated a little bit with the Nerlens Noel injury. He's going to have right knee surgery, so he's going to be out for six to eight weeks, I believe. And Jaleel Okafor just played his first se- preseason game last for or this past Friday against Miami. But Dario Saric and Joel Embiid are key acquisitions. Sergio Rodriguez is also a nice acquisition in the sense that he can... It, his best attribute is passing, and this is a team that was really devoid of a playmaker last year, especially on the perimeter. So having Sergio Rodriguez basically on a one-year deal is huge. And Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson Henderson would have been key acquisitions also if Ben Simmons was healthy. I think the Sixers signed them with, with in mind that Simmons was going to be running the offense. Unfortunately, he fractured his foot, so and he's not going to be back until January. So those acquisitions kind of won't be as impactful maybe right off the bat as we might as a Sixers front office people might have thought but there's definitely more talent this year and I think this is now the part where we see what we have and we build the foundation for the future we're no longer in the stripping our roster and devoiding our roster of talent just for the purpose of collecting future assets and future draft picks we now have actual talent around the team to see who will stay for the future and whatnot. So I'm assuming that Robert Covington is going to be the open day opening day starter at small forward. But just judging on the Rodriguez acquisition, the Gerald Henderson acquisition, Sarich and M- Sarge coming over and Embiid being healthy, they're going to have four out of the five opening day starters be players who weren't on the team last season. Now right. Henderson is Henderson is the kind of player that would definitely be helped by someone like Simmons playing a point forward role. But Dario Saric has also kind of been a point forward for a lot of his a lot of his career. So assuming he'll start at the beginning of the year, especially with Okafor questionable given that he only played the one preseason game and Noel out. Do you think Saric is going to play a similar role to what Ben Simmons would have played? Or do you think he's just not the kind of athlete that Simmons is and can't really run the offense? Yeah, that's that's the main thing with Saric. So he's kind of a less athletic version of Simmons. I mean, he's a brilliant passer and he can. the difference with him and Simmons is obviously Saric can shoot the ball. He's already shown that in the preseason. And while I don't think 
See, the thing from what I've read from all the Sixers beat writers, I live in Northern California, so unfortunately I can't be in Philadelphia. But what I from what I've read from all the Sixers writers and people that are at training camp, Brett Brown really had most of the offense run through Ben Simmons, whether it be grabbing the rebound and kickstarting transition, running the offense at the top of the key in the half court offense. I think I don't think Saric has that capacity to bear that much of an offensive load. But he is certainly somebody who can be a secondary ball handler, can grab the rebound and push the ball up the court a little bit. He's definitely not somebody who I think is going to run the offense most of the time as a point forward, but he is certainly a playmaker. Him and Joel Embiid have kind of developed a nice chemistry already this preseason as a starting front court. He's he's dropped some nice passes as Embiid ducks to the basket, and he's definitely shown a lot of flashes as a shooter. But Saric, uh, I don't think Saric can be the special transcendent talent that Ben Simmons is mainly just mainly because he's just not as athletic and he can't turn the corner on his on on his man like Simmons can and really the Sixers don't really have any other perimeter talent that can turn the corner so to speak when running a pick and roll but uh, Saric is definitely somebody that I can that you can look at that can make plays uh, Sergio Rodriguez is somebody who while he definitely has a lot of defensive defensive uh, deficiencies he can also be in that playmaker role and not necessarily he's not necessarily necessarily explosive but he has great vision so does Sarge uh, the Sixers are definitely going to have to distribute the the ball handling and offensive responsibilities a little bit more than what they plan to with the Simmons injury but Sarge definitely can take some of that load off so to speak yeah and the thing about Simmons too is that Sarge is a good passer for his size Simmons is an exceptional is trans exceptional yeah absolutely transcendent passer just watching him in summer league just throw passes through defenses you know just reading s- multiple steps ahead of other players so moving on to sort of a review of the draft which I guess will be a further look into Ben Simmons now there were reports coming out of his camp that his agents may try and keep him out for the entire season just to make sure that he's healthy to make sure he doesn't have any sort of long-term injury concerns but the injury is supposed to be a six to eight week recovery time uh as far as i know i think the maximum recovery time that doctors were saying was somewhere along the lines of three months so i guess the big question uh for the sixers is Will Will Simmons play? Will he Will he come back in January, or will the Sixers try and be extra safe and not annoy his agents and just keep him out the whole year? Honestly, I would be completely shocked if Simmons didn't play this year. And I know with the Jones fracture, when you mention Jones fracture and big man in the same sentence, it causes a lot of pause for basketball fans, and rightfully so. Bill Walton is big crying man. out there somewhere. Yeah, it, who? Bill Walton. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when you mention, yeah, when you mention big man with feet, it's obvious, it, rightfully so, it causes a lot of pause. But three months is the absolute, I think, from what I've read and from what I've listened to, I listened to a recent 76ers podcast with Derek Bodner of the Philly Mag, who is really good at covering the team. He had an orthopedic surgeon on, on the podcast. And basically, 
it's a maximum of three months and i am certainly not a medical professional by any means so take what i say with a grain of salt but if simmons is out by the all-star break that might just be overdoing it a little bit that's the complete maximum i can see maybe the front office holding simmons out but simmons is a competitor um he really he really seems to love philly just following him on instagram and twitter and listening to his sound bites and interviews and things like he really loves the fans in philadelphia how passionate they are and i assume he really wants to get back out on the court for them um six to eight weeks is obviously like the short side of the recovery time for a jones fracture but i agree you need to play it safe but at what point are you overdoing it and it's actually a detriment that you're not having him out there especially when he's going to be medically cleared at that point um three months i think is a very safe bet i think you can in my opinion, if I was to give a prediction, I would expect him to be back around late January. But at maximum, I really don't think I, if he's not playing, if he's not playing by the All-Star break or after the All-Star break, I will be completely shocked. Yeah. And especially after what was sort of a lost season last year at LSU, just the playing time on the court will be really important for his development. So the other uh, Sixers rookie that we haven't talked about yet, uh, Timothy Luau Cabarro. Uh, Brett Brown has already said that he will TLC will probably spend a lot of time in the D League this year, but he's a really, really incredible athlete. Uh, but he doesn't really have much of a shooting touch yet, and his defensive awareness isn't really all the way there. But given the Sixers sort of weakness on the wing, do you think he's going to get minutes this year? Or do you think this is just going to be a development year from him? See, that's the interesting thing because Brett Brown said that earlier in the summer, but recently he has said that he could absolutely see TLC playing a lot of productive minutes for the Sixers this season, especially like you said, giving you mentioned it and it's no secret. The Sixers are devo- all their talent basically is in the front court. There really isn't a lot of talent in the back court and Nick Stauskas, who we're going to talk about later in the podcast really hasn't been producing. So I could see th- if you, when you watch some of the, like Stauskas and TJ McConnell and some of the other guys and how they're playing this preseason, you can definitely see, you could definitely see some avenues for where TLC can definitely snag some minutes away but uh, it's interesting he played for the Megalex in the French League in the French League which necessarily isn't one of the top leagues in the world but like you said he is 6'7 he has a long wingspan he kind of moves like Paul George in the sense that he when you watch Paul George run obviously not comparing him to Paul George but just how he runs he kind of just glides across the court he he kind of has the athleticism where he makes it look easy with his movements is basically what I'm saying but he does need to refine his game a lot he does need to get his shooting touch he shot from he shot from three relatively well overseas he shot 38 percent but the NBA three is different and also defenders close out on you way faster in the NBA as you know especially with the length that NBA players have compared to overseas so there is definitely a world where TLC can definitely get some minutes but how many minutes we'll see, but I definitely do see a few stints in the D league for uh, Timote Luwau Caparo. All right. So we already talked about this a little bit, but just moving on to a season preview. So the starting lineup uh, on opening night is probably going to be different from the starting lineup at the end of the season, but I'm assuming it's going to be uh, Sergio Rodriguez at point guard, uh, Gerald Henderson at shooting guard, Robert Covington at small forward, uh, Sarge at the four, and 
Embiid at the five. So what what do you, do you think they're going to work well together as a starting lineup? Because Rodriguez can shoot, and Henderson is a pretty decent shooter, uh, but they're just not going to have the kind of creation that they would have with Ben Simmons running the offense. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting because Brett Brown has been um... – He's been flip-flopping the starting point guard with McConnell and then Rodriguez. Rodriguez is definitely the way that I would go. Um, Henderson, it'll be interesting. He's been on a minutes restriction this preseason because he had he's been having hip problems. And who knows how much he's going to play, but he's definitely going to get the start. But uh, yeah, the the starting lineup looks re- pretty much what you said. It's prob- is going to be uh, Rodriguez. It's going to be Henderson. And Robert Covington, um, then Dario Saric and Joel Embiid. And that's that's a starting lineup that's definitely more talented than what the Sixers have had in past years, especially with all the tanking that we've done. But it's definitely now an NBA caliber starting lineup. The Sixers won't be bad this year now because we are intentionally throwing games away, signing guys from the D league constantly and things of that nature. We're just going to be bad because now we're going to be young and inexperienced, but definitely if you look through our roster, still the wing position, the guards are definitely still the weakest strong point. Yeah. Rodriguez is the only player on the roster. who's over 30. He is 30. Uh, (laughs) And Bayless and Henderson are the only other players on the roster who are over the age of 25. So there's, there's a lot of youth on this roster. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, that Henderson has so clearly overtaken Hollis Thompson, who was the minutes leader last year. Uh, Hollis is a pretty solid shooter, but he's struggled occasionally on the defensive end of the floor. Do you think he's got a role this year, or do you think uh, Henderson and maybe when Bayless gets back to health, uh, do you think they just sort of push him out of the rotation? See, the thing with Hollis Thompson is he is a good three-point shooter, but he really doesn't do anything else. If he unless he if he adds stuff to his game this season, then uh maybe he'll get some more minutes. But I still think he'll have a I still think he'll have somewhat of a role. But now that they now that there are there's more talent overtaking his position. Um, I mean Robert Covington, small forward, Jeremy Grant, Henderson, Bayless, um, Sergio Rodriguez. I do kind of see I do kind of see like a little jam there for Hollis Thompson to see if he could get minutes or not. I'm not too sure about that. But I really do think um he's not he's not gonna have the role that he had in the past because he's not really a good defender. And he's not a playmaker necessarily. He's basically just a shooter. And he doesn't have the capacity to take his man off the dribble if his defender runs to the three-point line to close out also. So it's going to be a little bit it's going to be a little bit different for Hollis Thompson, but I definitely think he deserves a he's definitely gonna have a spot on this roster, at least for this season. So speaking of a bit of a minutes jam, uh the problem that people always discuss with the Sixers, namely that Arguably, your three best players, but more realistically, probably three of your four best players uh, in Embiid, Noel, and Okafor are all best playing at the five. And Okafor can't really play much at the four, and Embiid probably can't really play much at the four either. So I guess this question has been a bit cleared by the Simmons and Noel injuries, but do you think the 
Sixers are going to make a trade this year. I mean, Colangelo has spoken repeatedly saying that he doesn't feel any need to make a trade, but they have Embiid, Noel, and Okafor, and they also have Rashawn Holmes, who's been really solid in the preseason and definitely has some NBA skills. So what do you see them doing with the front court rotation? So one of the things that I think seldomly gets brought up is the fact that Nerlens Noel is going to be a restricted free agent this summer and he's going to get paid a lot of money. And with the injury, obviously, it obviously helps alleviate the logjam a little bit. But um, I do think it's been an interesting debate amongst the Sixer fan base, especially if you look on Reddit. Like, it's there's pro Okafor, then there's pro Noel. And basically, at this point, it's just a debate of ideology and what you like in a player and what you valued more than other facets of the game. And so, at this point, I'm really honestly, I'm surprised that Colangelo hasn't made a trade yet. I thought he was going to make a trade over the summer. I didn't think we'd be going into the season talking about, the, still talking about. About this but um i if i if it was me i would probably make a trade for nerland's noel or i'd probably trade nerland's noel just mainly because he's going to command a lot of money and we already have okafor on a nice rookie deal joel Embiid is now in the third year of his rookie deal but i think <laughs> this all becomes irrelevant if we could just know if we had a crystal ball and we could see into the future and know that joel Embiid would have a complete full healthy and I'm knocking on wood as we speak, 10-year, 15-year career, then none of this matters because (laughs) Noel and Okafor would not be in Philadelphia because Joel Embiid is that much of a talent. But we don't know yet, and he hasn't played a single – he played in the preseason, obviously, but he hasn't played a regular season game yet. So we have to have insurance. But, I mean, if you're looking – if we're still trying to figure out how we're going to build our team. Like we're still putting together a foundation where, like I said earlier, we're out of the tanking stage and now we're in the foundation cementing together the foundation stage. And I just don't see the Sixers paying somebody like Noel, who is an elite defensive center, but is really just a porous offensive player at best. He fumbles a lot of catches or fumbles a lot of passes. Um, He's a nice rim roller, but he's just not going to be worth the money at this stage of the development for this team. And I still I think Colangelo is going to make a move at some point. But now at this point, what are you going to get in return? I think you have to do something at this point, no matter what the return is. But maybe he would have been better off making the deal over the summer where their value was at their highest. But now Noel's injured and he's already expressed he's already expressed a concern about how this log jam will work. And he basically said it won't work. And then Brian, he basically, he said that he doesn't see how he can distribute minutes will be distributed amongst himself, Okafor and Embiid. And then Brian Colangelo quickly was just like, well, actually also Rashawn Holmes. (laughs) So really it's a four man log jam. And that probably didn't make uh, Noel happy, but, um, I st- I, at some point during the season, I would I would be shocked if we went past the trading deadline and one of Noel or Okafor were on the roster. But it I would trade Oak. I would I was pro trading Okafor, but now I'm more towards trading Noel because of the contract. And honestly, I think that's where the front office is going to head. The, the direct that's the direction the front office is going to head towards. Yeah, I think Okafor can also be a really, really valuable sixth man if he's willing to accept that kind of role. Although I tend to think that offense-only big men can be a lot more effective playing off the bench just in general. Agreed. But 
you talked a little bit about the preseason, so let's just go over some of the preseason developments. Now, obviously, Ben Simmons, the I'd say the second most exciting player because I love Joel Embiid and I knocked on wood just as you did to hope that he stays around and keeps messing with his Twitter and keeps, you know, being seven foot two and ludicrously athletic and dunking all over people and sending shots into the 15th row. But what, what, if anything, you think happened in the preseason to change the rotations for the beginning of the season? Rashawn Holmes, uh, in particular, stood out to me as someone who had a strong preseason, but he was already going to have a struggle to get minutes. So what were your thoughts on their preseason in general? Um, I would, I guess you could say their preseason was a success. I mean, Joel Embiid obviously being the main goal. I mean, we mentioned him a lot in this podcast, but I mean, how can you not? This man has been out for two and a half years, hasn't played, hasn't played a, hasn't played in an actual game in two and a half years, started playing basketball when he was 16, but he went through a preseason healthy, had some injury scares that I, I'm pretty sure that 15 years are going to be shaved off my life. Just worrying about Joel Embiid and his health during a game Um, in the first game against Boston he switched out on Avery Bradley on a pick and roll and kind of slipped and hyperextended his knee and that almost gave me a mini heart attack and then in the second to last preseason game against Detroit in Philadelphia he went up and needlessly blocked a shot after the whistle and then twisted his ankle on the back stand on the stanchion on the hoop and he was grabbing his right foot and you can literally hear the silence coming through my speakers in the Philadelphia crowd Uh, so I'm gonna be worried about that a bit but you're right Rashawn Holmes has definitely shown out this preseason really showed out in summer league too he's kind of extended his range I could see him maybe in the future maybe stretching it out to the three-point line doesn't have the prettiest prettiest jump shot but it's effective and he's basically just a hustle he's basically just a hustle big man he doesn't need the ball he maybe go at this point maybe his 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 defense is if you look at his highlights you'll think he's a good defensive player but he still has a lot to learn in terms of the technical stuff and the mechanics and not going for every every uh, block shot like Hassan Whiteside does a lot yeah that's the main but, thing with with Holmes is he just chases blocks so it's it's almost it's almost adorable just how how nakedly he chases blocks on every possession <laughs> as if nothing else matters but 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 yeah if but if um but I like Holmes as a back a nice backup big man he's definitely he's definitely deserving of a roster spot if I had this choice I would definitely roll with it in bead and Holmes a center combination for the future and Okafor coming off the bench but I think at some point too Okafor is gonna go especially if if Embiid and I hope he's I hope this is the case he stays healthy but uh I like some of the I like uh Dario Saric too he's really uh he's really shown that obviously playing those two years overseas really helped to develop his game he really has a nice calm poise about him especially in the post he's more he's more skilled with uh, scoring than I thought he was going to be and like we mentioned earlier he is a really good passer for his size and really has nice court vision and he was a nice three-point shooter overseas and I was wondering how that was going to translate over to the NBA but that all my questions have been answered he is a really good shooter Um, he's definitely going to have his ups and downs as a rookie but really the what stood out to me was the class of 2014 or the draft class of 2014 finally getting on the court and it's been a long time coming that's that's what really stood out to me uh so really quickly let's just uh go over the wing rotation for the Sixers I guess my biggest question is do you think Saric is quick enough to 
maybe play at the three. I, I, I'm not sure he has he has the foot speed to play there. Maybe do you put Simmons at the three just defensively? Because obviously on the offensive end, he's going to be more of the primary ball handler role. But what do you think the Sixers do in terms of those wing minutes? Um, You're right. Uh, Saric can't play the three. He really doesn't have the lateral quickness to play at that position. Um, I know Brett Brown talked about before the Simmons injury, at least like, putting out lineups of Embiid, Simmons, and Sarge together. And I can actually see that working if you have Simmons uh, guard threes because he's more athletically gifted and he can guard those. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and he, um, he, he he is shown when he's locked in that he can play defense. But um, I just don't, I don't see Sarge really, I, I just don't see a Sarge really getting those minutes at the three. But with Sarge's shooting ability, I could see how that front court pairing would work. The people who would be getting minutes at the three spot would be Robert Covington and Jeremy Grant, who is also a guy that could play stretch four and played a lot of stretch four last year. So that kind of adds a little bit more strain on the front court log jam. Although he's um, not Rob- really that much of a shooter. I mean, he's not. No, yeah. Jeremy Grant is not a shooter by any means. So by, stretch four, by stretch four, by stretch four. I, yeah, I misspoke when I said stretch four, but he plays the four. Um, sure. He has, he, he does have improved mechanics on his shot this year, though. He's not as hesitant as he once was, but obviously the ball still needs to go in for you to be a uh, good shooter. But um, Jeremy Grant does play the four. So that does kind of add stra- a strain on the uh, front court log jam but it's mainly going to be Robert Covington and Jeremy Grant and then maybe s- sprinkle in a little bit of Hollis Thompson playing the th- playing the three spot and then the two guards are pretty set I mean it, I think Gerald Henderson is going to Gerald Henderson is obviously going to be the starter Un- Nick Stauskas unfortunately is still probably going to make the team and um, play the two guard and it'll be interesting to see if he can actually just become an actual basketball player that I don't know how else to say it but he's really just not been good these last two years and then obviously Jared Bayless Sergio Rodriguez and TJ McConnell those guys obviously are going to man the point guard position but I don't see Saric playing any other I'd be really surprised if Brett Brown tried playing Saric at the three about him briefly but your article this week for hashtag basketball was on the aforementioned <clears throat> dick scouskis aka sauce castillo uh as a king's fan i'm relatively familiar with the odyssey that is watching nick stauskis attempts to play nba basketball so his his career began uh rather infamously with the whole uh vivek ranadive uh stauskis draft room chat which if you read vivek's uh recent interviews uh he apparently was not in favor of stauskis but that's an entirely different issue uh he played one uh very very questionable i would say season in sacramento before he was traded to the sixers as part of a truly spectacularly awful trade for sacramento uh what are you talking? It was a great trade for us. No. Oh, it was a wonderful trade for Philadelphia. I'm not doubting that. Uh, but Stauskas was a throw-in in that trade. Uh, he actually started, wow, he started almost half of the games he played last year in, in Philly. 
Uh, he was touted as a three-point shooter and uh, allegedly and alleged three-point shooter, alleged uh, secondary ball handler slash passer slash creator. Um, his three-point percentage for his career is thirty-two and a half percent. He managed to crack one assist per game uh, last year in Philadelphia, something he was not able to do in his season in Sacramento. Um, I mean, he's had a shaky preseason. You said that you were upset about the prospect that he was probably going to make the team. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on? whether he can make a recovery. Here's the thing. I was an I was a big Nick Stauskas fan, especially at Michigan. I mean, he really showed me something when he was a freshman and he didn't get any minutes whatsoever during the season. And then he came out in the national championship game that year with Trey Burke starting as the point guard, by the way. But he dropped 17 in the first half, was just on fire in that championship game. And then obviously, obviously, as he got more minutes in Michigan, he became the person that the player that we knew him to be, which was a knockdown three-point shooter I, I looked up a stat and I really wanted to see this because Stauskas had a lot of open three-point shots or not a lot of open three-point shots but when he was open especially in the corners which is automatic for a shooter he would just miss it but when defenders were five feet or more away from Stauskas he shot 31 percent from three which was terrible if you're a th- if you're supposed to be an elite three-point shooter Obviously, the mark is high 30s, 39%, but 40% is usually where you want to go. And the fact that he shot, he's shot 32% for his career so far is has just has just shown you that he has not lived up to his expectations relative to his draft status. Whoa, whoa, and also whoa, 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 whoa. 32.5%. Come on, give him a little credit. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. You got me. All right, it's a little bit better. But uh, no, ser- I, and also I think it's just a confidence issue with Nick Stauskas. I mean, this season he's been really open, surprisingly open about uh, his awareness of where he is career-wise with uh, his basketball career, knows that it's his third year and he has to step up. And he also talked about seeing a hypnotherapist I mean, you just kind of you just kind of have questions about the mental state of Nick Stauskas, and it's just, maybe it's just a confidence thing. I mean, obviously, I would be really shocked. He's obviously going to make the roster, but I would be shocked if the 76ers picked up his option this year or uh, after this season on his con- for the fourth year on on a of his uh, deal after this season. But I mean, he's not a good he's not a good ball handler. He's not a good defensive player. He's surpri- he's had some surprisingly athletic moments, but aside from that, that's about it. And you know, we I want I want Stauskas to do well because I thought he was going to be a knockdown three and D player, but he has been anything but that. And I thought this preseason was going to be. Uh, do or die for him pretty much but the first game against Boston he was still terrible before he strained his hamstring in that first game he played 19 minutes made no shots he was 0 for 6 and before the Friday game in Miami which I alluded to in my hashtag basketball article as the game that where he really absolutely needed to stand out but before that Friday game he had only made one, count it, one field goal in the entire preseason, and he played in four preseason games to that point. I mean, at what point do we start to think that maybe that, who knows, maybe a change of scenery would do well for him again, but he's already been traded, but he's just, he hasn't been the three-point shooter that we expected him to be. He is not the ball handler slash creator that we expected him to be. He's just been all around bad. And keep in mind, this is not 
uh, this does not make the trade that the Sixers absolutely fleeced the Kings in a terrible trade for the Sixers. It was Stauskas was basically icing on the cake. I mean, we still have the right to swap draft picks with you guys if you guys have a worse or if you guys have a worse worse is not a word. <laughs> if you guys have a worse uh draft uh or I guess a low or a higher draft pick than us, you we have the right to swap picks with you guys and then we also have your guys's protected pick after the 2018 year so it's not like this is a negative a negative um gain or a or a net negative loss in this in this trade uh, the Sixers still obviously come out clear winners in this in this deal but we were Sixer fans were hoping that Stauskas would be more of the icing on the cake so to speak that we had a number eight draft pick and that he was going to be a three-point shooter someone that we need for a guy like like a Ben Simmons or like a Joel Embiid who commands a lot of attention and then Stauskas can be open and he's he's even shot 30 he shot 31 percent on the corners corner threes which is the easiest shot for a an elite shooter to make I mean we see how Kyle Korver in the past JJ Reddick Clay Thompson Steph Curry obviously makes that three-point corner shot look so easy looks routine but Stauskas can't even hit those and if you're shooting 31% on wide open three-pointers I mean what more is is there for you to hope for I mean he's just been really bad and I question his I also question his confidence at this point yeah his confidence was definitely an issue in Sacramento as well he often just looked lost out there on on both ends of the floor honestly so uh, any last thoughts before we wrap this up yeah so I think Vegas had the over under uh for the Sixers win total this season at 22 I was more inclined to go over I thought we were going to I thought we were going to be in the high the mid to high 20s just because Brett Brown really hasn't constructed an offensive system so to speak because we really haven't had a foundational player like a Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons to create a system around I mean a system's only good if you have good players (laughs) in the system I mean that's obvious to say but it rings so true because we we basically have ran basic stuff the last three years and we finally had somebody like a Ben Simmons to build the offense around and I thought Simmons was at least worth three wins and then the fact that we actually had an offensive system for the first time in a long time that was worth at least a couple of more wins but pretty much I still think we'll win we're not going to win 10 like last year I think we're going to be back into that 20 to low 20 range I would still go on the under for 22 wins but I'd still think that this Sixer team if anything is going to be fun to watch because of Joel Embiid but trust me a lot of when I was watching a lot of the preseason games this uh for the last few weeks you do realize that you're still watching the 76ers uh attempt to play actual basketball and sometimes it's bad and then sometimes it's like oh there there's a moment right there or there's a moment right there but now that we actually have a player that is fun to watch it'll kind of alleviate the pain a little bit but I'm still optimistic for the future we're finally out of the first phase of the tanking stage and I just knock on wood again I just hope Joel and B just stays healthy at least for my health <laughs> for for all of our health and for all of our entertainment uh knock on wood for Joel Embiid uh all right thanks so much for listening uh you can follow me on twitter at nba underscore johnson uh you can follow jordan on twitter at sports talk xmas that's s-p-o-r-t-s-t-a-l-k-x-m-a-s uh mine is nba underscore j-o-h-n-s-o-n you can follow 
our website on Twitter at hash basketball, H-A-S-H-B-A-S-K-E-T-B-A-S. Follow our website, hashtag basketball.com. Thanks so much for listening.